people speaking, um, being used as a vessel uh, for God to speak to, to myself and to his people. Um, but I'll tell you one thing, through the preparation of this word, I don't know if anybody saw my Facebook yesterday, but I don't even usually do it, but I was just like, man, if you're not going to be in KLM today, please get a soundcloud. And it's not anything boasting about myself, let me clear that up, but it's about what it was doing to me even in the process of, 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 of doing the word. And when you understand that these things are not of you, these things are only through the Lord, then you can boast about it because I'm not boasting in Alan, I'm boasting in the Lord. And that's what we're called to do, amen? Amen. amen. Um, so, yeah, so last year, if you were here, um, PD gave me a random text that made me preach about sleeping. So, uh, I, mean, I definitely think that was another post I put up on Facebook because PD, you know, I always take this, you know, a little two-minute gap, but um, PD is, is one that will, that will stretch you, you know what I mean, um, in, 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 in the walk with Christ. And um, so he, he called me not too long ago and was like, hey, uh, I think it came after we had a, the, the, bu the, bio, the book study. Um, we were going through, uh, I'm a church member, and one of the topics was about gossip. And we, I think we spent a good amount of time in that meeting talking about gossip. And I think it kind of, maybe that's what birthday, but I, I got a call maybe a couple weeks ago, a couple weeks afterwards, um, about working and, and preparing for this, this message on gossip. Um, we can all say that gossip is something definitely that we have all been affected by, whether we've been the gossiper or the gossiped. Um, We've probably been both. I, I, I can say I can, I'll be the transparent one since I have the mic, and I'll say I've been both. <laughs> I have been both. I've been guilty, and I have been the victim. So, uh, so definitely it's, a, it's a, always an on-time subject, always something that's relevant um, in how we deal with it. And the Bible is not silent about gossip. Um, anybody who's read through the uh, book of Proverbs know that the Bible speaks about gossip a lot. Um, and so as we dive into this, this, the scriptures and about um, enduring gossip. Um, let's just bow our heads real quick. Thank you, Lord, for this morning that you've allowed us to see. Thank you, Lord, for the sun that we allowed, that you were allowed us to see rise, Lord, and even of the sun that we have not seen with our physical eyes rise, Lord, the S-O-N, Lord. We thank you for Jesus Christ who died on the cross and on the third day he rose, Lord, to show us, Lord, that you have put your stamp of approval, that he has died for our sins and he has redeemed us from the power of sin, Lord. So, Lord, we thank you, redeemed us from the, the penalty of sin, Lord. And although we're on this earth, Lord, and in our flesh, Lord, and we're dealing with the power of sin even now, Lord, until um, your son comes and, and, and calls us from the sky, Lord. Lord, we, we ask, Lord, for, for a, a power that is greater than the power of sin, which is your power, Lord, to overcome um, the temptations that we have, Lord. In this area, in this specific area this morning, in the, t in the area of gossip, Lord, and the way we speak in our tongue, Lord. James, uh, Lord, um, you have inspired him to write a whole chapter almost about the tongue and how much, how small of an organ it is, but how big of an effect it has in our lives, Lord, and that we can't there is almost impossible to tame it on our own, Lord. But, Lord, we know that you have a power that is greater than any power that is in this world, Lord. And so, Lord, we are calling uh, upon you. We're thanking you this morning um, as you teach us how to um, deal with this issue of gossip, Lord. And more specifically this morning of being the victim of gossip and how to deal with that, Lord. So we pray all these things in the master's name of Jesus. Amen. 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 So, um... I was reading this book called Resisting Gossip uh, by Matthew, I forgot his last name, it starts with an M, but it's, it's a really good book, really good book, and I intended to kind of maybe do an overview of the whole thing, but I got to this part, this section about enduring gossip, 
And like the Lord was just kind of like, yeah, if I go overview, it's going to be bits and pieces. We're going to miss certain things. But if I don't, maybe I don't know. I'm probably gonna shoot myself in the foot. But maybe this is more than one part message. But not for next week, uh, PD. Don't don't ask me for next week. But <laughs> but it, we can do that. But it's so much meat in each section. It's not enough for me to sit here and give you justice by just preaching through the whole thing of gossip, resisting gossip, enduring gossip, what gossip is, and everything, and to feel like I've done it justice. Um, but this section here, enduring gossip, it really pierced my heart. Um, and it also, it, 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 I can see the comfort that is also giving in, in that. Um, with, uh, please turn your Bibles with me to Psalm 140. And when you have it, stand please. Psalm 140. If you have to say amen. amen, and if you don't, tell me to hold up. Hold up. All right. <laughs> All right. Psalm 140. I'm going to go ahead and read. Deliver me, O Lord, from evil men. Pres preserve me from violent men who plan evil things in their heart and stir up wars continually. They make their tongues sharp as a serpent, and under their lips is the venom of asps, asps uh, um, vipers. Guard me, O Lord, from the hands of the wicked. Preserve me from, the, from violent men who have planned to trip up my feet. The arrogant have hidden a trap for me, and with cords they have spread a net. Beside the way they have set snares for me. I say to the Lord, you are my God. Give ear to the voice of my pleas for mercy, O Lord. O Lord, my Lord. The strength of my salvation. You have covered my head in the day of battle. Grant not, O Lord, the desires of the wicked. Do not further their evil plot, or they will be exalted. As for the head of those who surround me, let the mischief of their lips overwhelm them. Let burning coals fall upon them. Let them be cast into fire, into miry pits, no more to rise. Let not the slanderer be established in the land. Let evil hunt down the violent men speedily. I know that the Lord will maintain the cause of the afflicted and will ex execute justice for the needy. Surely the righteous shall give thanks to your name. The upright shall dwell in your presence. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So gossip, like I said in, in the book of Proverbs, it speaks about that um, very, it's very sporadic. As you know, with Proverbs, there's a lot of, you know, Proverbs in it, and sometimes it touches on one subject, leaves it, and goes back to it again. And you see that gossip is all brought back a lot. Um, this description in Proverbs I wanted us to go quickly to is Proverbs 18, verse 8. Proverbs 18, verse 8. And it reads, The words of a whisper are like delicious morsels. They go down into the inner parts of the body. Proverbs 26, verse 22. The words of a whisper are like delicious morsels. They go down into the inner parts of the body. This is not a typo. There's a reason why it's being repeated. Because it's something that is serious. It's something that is important. It's something that needs to be emphasized. The Bible describes gossip as, in other translations, choice morsels. This means it's something that we desire. 
A choice morsel is a tasty thing like your favorite candy, whether it be M&M's, whether it be Snickers, or whether it be sweet potato pie, or, <laughs> or a banana pudding. It's, it's that thing that you, that you, that sweet, you know, that, 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 um, that desire that you have, that, that food that you may have, that you can compare it to that. But what happens when you eat a lot of those choice morsels? They're good going down, but have poisonous effects as they go down into a man's inmost in parts. So they taste good. You know, these sweets, they taste good. But if we live just based off of sweets, it's going to have some detrimental issues. I know last week I wasn't here, but I know Brian uh, did fit KLM la last, last week, and I'm sure he talked about nutrition. We can't sit here and eat Snickers and, and McDonald's and, and all these bad foods. They taste good, but they have bad effects to our bodies. And that's the same way with gossip. It's always good to get the juicy, and you know, we even use the term, juicy details. Like, oh, for real, what happened? Let me know. But then really what the effects of gossip, and if anybody been on that side of it, it's bad. Like when that person finds out that you were talking about them, or when you find out that that person was talking about you, it's not that sweet anymore. It's not. Or even if you're in the middle of conversation, you haven't said a word, but the fact that you've allowed it to enter your ears, you have not said something in the back, you are now guilty by association. So you have not even done anything, but you can't really even defend yourself because you allowed it to happen. So it's choice morsels um, going into the inmost, uh, goes down to a man's inmost parts. The definition in the book the, the author gave, and I, I, I love this um, definition, it says sinful gossip is bearing bad news behind someone's back out of a bad heart. I'll repeat it again. Sinful gossip is bearing bad news behind someone's back out of a bad heart. Let's break it down just a little bit. Bearing bad news. The scripture says the words of a gossip. It shows that gossip is obviously a talking thing. The scriptures like Proverbs 17 verse 4. Let's go there real quick. Proverbs 17 verse 4. It says an evildoer listens to wicked lips, and a liar gives ear to a mischievous tongue. So you see that not only is the talker guilty, but the listener is also. So it, gossip is not just uh, whether you say it, but you taking it in, is all, you're also as guilty as the one that's spreading the news. There's three types of bad news. There's bad information, which is lies. Bad news about someone. Be, it can be true. Sometimes, a lot of times, we think because it's true, it's not, it's not gossip. It can be true, but it's not your business. Um, bad news about someone, just because it's true doesn't make it right. And also, bad news for someone. Neither false nor true, but it's a negative projection for someone. For instance, David, um, I believe it's in Psalm 41, David was sick, and he's telling the Lord, he's writing in the psalm, saying that there's people that are out there that say he surely will die. That's not our business. You know, we have somebody, you know, a leader or somebody and they're sick or they're in a bad position. You're like, ah, yeah, he's going to lose that church. Oh, yeah, yeah, him, ah, he's not going to make it. He's going to lose that job. Ah, uh, that house, yeah, he's not going to say that that long. It's not our business. And that comes under this uh, issue of gossip. So that's bearing bad news. Behind someone back, very simple. Gossip mostly, I mean, gossip really only happens when the person's not there. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Gossip only happens. It's simple. I mean, there's no, I need, it's simple. Gossip happens when the person is not there. Out of a bad heart. And here is the source of it all. 
We are naturally attracted to the choice morsels of gossip because, out of, because of something already wrong in our inmost parts. So because of the fact that we love gossip is only because we have a bad heart. Out of the abundance of the heart, in Matthew 12, 34, Jesus says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Why do we gossip? I don't think we understand, and I didn't understand until I read the book, was that original sin came out of gossip. The serpent in the tree bared bad news, although it was untrue, which was one of the categories for bad news, behind God's back, even though God is omnipresent, but in the moment, it was behind God's back, and we all know the serpent had a bad heart. The very original sin in the garden started out of gossip. It's, it's, it's crazy. I didn't realize this until I read this book, but it's just amazing to me that original sin occurred due to the gossip of the serpent. And we gossip out of an overflow of our bad hearts. So let's turn to Matthew 12, verses 33 to 37. Please bear with me if you hear me stuffy. I'm a little, I'm getting over a cold, actually. Matthew 12, verse 33 to 37. And it reads, either make, this is Jesus speaking, either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For the tree is known by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good person out of his good treasure, out of his good treasure brings forth good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words, you will be justified, and by your words, you will be condemned. Now, I, I know sometimes there's, a, you know, there's, there's people that give maybe too much, too much importance to our words, but the Bible does give a lot of importance to our words. Jesus himself is saying in verse 36, I tell you on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word. I mean, it doesn't even have to be a negative or a careless word. We have to care about what we say. I, I, one thing I've realized about myself is sometimes I respond out of impulse. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes I go back and say, ah, I probably should have never said that. Mm, I, probably, that I probably would have thought that through and then responded. Um, I, I believe, I think, we were, I, I was doing a retreat and a couple of us were just talking and we were talking about um, a couple of kids with autism and one, ki one child, whenever you ask him a question, he waited for about five, seven seconds and then he responded. And what we were talking about was that really that's what we should do because it allowed him to process what was said and then respond. But a lot of times we just hear something and we immediately out of impulse just respond right back and then a lot of times we want them words back. But words, when they come out, is very, very difficult, even impossible, to go back. They say sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never harm me. Whoever made that was a liar. Because I think I could take the sticks and stones, get a Band-Aid, be healed in two weeks, and forget about it, because I don't have, a, you know, being if I don't have a scar. But words last. There are words that have been spoken to you since you were a child that are still lingering to you in your old age. There are, are things that were said about you, things that, and some people have flipped it to the positive, which is great. There are people that have taken the negative and said, you know what, I'm not going to be what they think I am. But there are some people that have been suffocated and have been imprisoned by those negative things that have been said about them. Words mean something. So Jesus is saying to, to them that we are, we are to give account 
for every careless word we speak. For by your words, you will be justified. By your words, you will be condemned. So we need to take a, a more control over what we speak. Um, um, even Paul goes a step further and says that we take, our thought, we take our thoughts captive, even our thought process. And if you capture your thoughts, and out of your, because out of your thoughts is where your words come from. So if you keep your thoughts captive, you have a way better uh, um, um, chance of keeping your, words, keeping your words captive also. So our words mean something. So we gossip out of an overflow of our bad hearts. He, he said in the beginning of, of that passage that a tree bears good fruit, and a bad, you know, a good tree bears good fruit, and a bad tree bears bad fruit. So meaning when we say something, it, it, it's, all, it's not something random, it's not something that we just wanted to say, but a lot, uh, it's out of the abundance of the heart that our mouths speak. That's why um, I, I think I've heard PD preachers, and I realize this in Isaiah 6, where Isaiah's his response is, woe is me for I'm a man of unclean lips. Meaning, if you trace this back with what Jesus just said, that not only does he have unclean lips, but he has an unclean heart from which the unclean lips come from. So what we talk about and what we say and what we do, it comes out of our heart. So whether it, if it's evil, it comes out of an evil intention in our heart. If it's good, and it comes out of a good intention in our heart. So we need to pay attention to what we say in this essence or in general, just what we do, period. Um, just a brief overview um, I think this was very interesting. Um, he talked about the types of gossip. Um, he says there's five that he listed, and you know, this should, of course there's more, but um, he, this is five that he highlighted, and I think that this is great. I think we can find ourselves and find people that we've dealt with in one or more of these, uh, these, situations, these um, positions. Number one is a spy, somebody who loves to get the dirt on someone and then use that info to his or her advantage. They're mainly motivated by power of knowing something that shouldn't be known or being the first to know something. You ever have somebody that's like, yeah, I know about that. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know, I know. They've been told me. Told me like two weeks ago. And you're like, oh, okay, cool. I'll just... I've been, I've been guilty of doing that, too. It's just like, you just... There's a power that you seek. It's just like, yeah, I know about that already. Oh, really? Oh, yo, they broke up? I knew that already. Y'all was talking to him and he was telling me. Like, what does that make you? make you... Okay, all right. Cool. But there's a power that is a motivation of that person who is the spy. Second one is the grumbler, one who complains and criticizes because they are upset about something. So he or she talks about others behind their back. A lot of times you see this at work or in church. Yeah, yeah, let's bring it home. We see that in church. You have a problem with leadership, and so you're not talking to the leadership directly, but you're sitting back, oh, this elder, I don't like him. You know, this, you know, this, 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 this choir director, I don't like the way that she be choosing these songs, because, you know, I don't really like it. If I was a choir director, then I would have chosen this song, but I would have directed this way, but you know, did you talk to them? No, I don't need to talk to them, I, you know. No, the grumbler is saying everything, but not to the right person. Um, so they sit back and they complain. They're mainly um, usually called, they usually um, try to justify this by saying it's venting. You know, I just want to vent. But what, pro what, how is this productive? Who are you venting to? Like, I understand, of course, the Bible says to seek counsel, and there's, there's a biblical way of seeking counsel. But a lot of times we try to mask it as seeking counsel, we just want to talk about somebody. Yeah. yeah, you know, I'm just venting. You know, it's not like it's lies. You know, you know you've seen it too, right? Oh, okay, all right, cool. But what, how is that productive? In our, in our walk, in our fellowship, in our community, we should always do things with intent. So if talking to this person has nothing to do or will not affect the situation in a positive way, I don't need to talk to that person about this situation. And if anything, my number one person who I should talk to is the person who I feel offended by. Yeah, that's right. And, talk. and any conversation in between should be 
aiding me in that. So let's say if I do need this to find counsel before I go talk to the person, I talk to someone who can help me develop a way to speak to that person, not just idle gossip, idle talk. Um, jealousy is often a key factor. A lot of times, the reason why people have a problem with them, just like, and I even realized I went to the next point in my example, they want to be in that position. That's right. A lot of times in the choirs, I've been in many choirs, you know, and they'll sit there and they'll badmouth the choir director, they have inside jokes, and really all you know is you look and you're like, you just want to be them. That's right. That's it. That's right. You're at work and that person got the promotion, they're your supervisor. They're not doing anything wrong, but everything is wrong to you. But it's all because you wanted that promotion. Mm-hmm. And, and we, we, have to go, we have to check our hearts. The third one is the backstabber. The backstabber is full of complaint, but his heart is angrier than the grumbler. More hateful. Heart, his, uh, his or her heart is bent on revenge, retaliation, and real malice. The person desires the target to experience pain. Somebody who is out to hurt you. They, they, you are public enemy number one to them, and they will do anything and everything and say anything and everything to, to go at you and to make you experience pain. An example in the scriptures is Absalom. Absalom was the son of David, um, and Absalom wanted the kingdom. Abs- Absalom wanted to be king. So what Absalom did at this one point, he was standing at the gates of the city, and he was bad-mouthing his, his father. You know, that he's not as great of a king. He doesn't have enough judges to judge the people, this, that, and the third. He wanted his father to feel pain. This, this, the backstabber out of all these that I'm, I've already talked about and I'm going to talk about is the most like Satan's behavior. <laughs> the enemy wants, we, we know there's a, there's a battle. The enemy wants the Lord to experience pain. And so he will do anything and everything, if, and especially attacking his people, in order for that to happen. The fourth one is a chameleon. This person just goes along with the gossip to try to fit in with the crowd so they can be a part of the conversation. They're motivated by fear of what peers will think, say, or do if they do not produce some gospel on demand. They don't, they don't want to be excluded. This person just wants to be part of the crowd. So, you know, you get into school. A lot of times, you know, when you're younger, you get into school, and you want to be part of that clique that everybody thinks is cool. So you find out your little juicy information. Like, hey, um, did you hear about such and such in order for you to be included? And so you're, you're seeking to, get, uh, to please men. And um, so, so that's the chameleon. The last one is the busybody. This person is just idle. They're not engaged in purposeful business and wants to be entertained. So they just gossip for fun. Enjoys meddling in other people's business. I don't mean to put somebody on blast. Um, she's probably not going to listen to the SoundCloud. Wendy Williams is who comes to mind when I think about this. I personally cannot stand that show. And I could not stand it even when she was on the radio. Because for me, she was a person who was looking for somebody's business. And I, you know, I pray that she repents. That y'all know my heart. But this is just an example in this relevant time, just in case she does listen to it. I love you, Wendy. Uh, praise the Lord. Uh, but she, it was a, she looked for ways to just get in somebody's business just for entertainment. So I watch, even sometimes somebody will be watching the show, and I see like part of the scene, and they'll be like, yeah, did you hear this, this, and third? I'm like, what does that have to do with you and your show? So people are making money and, and making, um, pe- literally, I mean, we can talk about this in general, people, TMZ, people are making money off of being in gossip. And, you know, a lot of times if it's not murder, if it's not rape, if it's not, you know, all these, these quote-unquote big sins, we, don't, we think it's okay. But gossip is a serious sin, and yet people are entertained by it. 
Are y'all with me? It, it, it's, it's like, you know, we, when we see murder and we see the Ferguson situation, we're like, yeah, the end of time are coming. But when, then we flick the channel because we're tired of seeing the news and we watch TMZ and are entertained. We don't say anything about that. People are, I, I don't know how many times, I'll tell you this, being on Facebook, I don't know how many times for the past almost a year that I've seen that Beyonce is filing for divorce with Jay-Z. Obviously, somebody's lying. Obviously, somebody's making gossip, but guess what? People are getting fame, people are sharing it, people are getting their name out there just by making up these stories. Gossip is a good moneymaker now. We talk about sex is a good moneymaker, gossip is also. The tabloids, the inquiry, we thought it was all over with them. No, they just got to TV. They just got online. A lot, that's why a lot of times when I see stories on Facebook and people are sharing them, I don't, I'm not quick to share. The first thing I do is check the source. If it's not ABC News, and even they, they lie, but if it's not a major network, I'm not believing it. I'm not going to go share it. I'm not going to go and, and send it around and be like, oh, yeah, did you guys find out about this? Because guess what? Who looks like the fool in the end? I do. We need to check the sources. So gossip is definitely something that is very prevalent in this day and age. But here comes to the crux of the message. Um, like PD would say, that's my intro. Um, but now, now to, to the meat of the message. How do we handle being gossiped on? I don't know if I worded that right, but you get what I mean. But how do we handle being the victim of gossip? I would say that. Number one, before we even go into that, why does gossip hurt? Gossip is betrayal. A lot of times it's a close friend, someone we trust, that turns out to be the one gossiping about us. Turn with us to Psalm 55, verse 12 to 14. God bless you. Psalm 55, verse 12 to 14. It says, For it is not an enemy who taunts me, then I for it is not an enemy who taunts me, then I could bear it. It is not an adversary who deals insolently with me, then I could hide from him. But it is you, a man, my equal, my companion, my familiar friend. We used to take sweet counsel together. Within God's house, we walked in the throng. This is David saying that he was, uh, he was um, offended, not offended. He was, um, he was betrayed by someone he, he considered dear. Um, they say they, they wonder um, whether he's talking about Absalom in this situation. But whatever the case, it's someone that he trusted. A lot of times it's that person that you let in and you, you, you share something that you probably never share with anybody else and then all of a sudden they betray you. And just like what he says, if it's someone I didn't know, you know what, whatever, I'm mad, but I'm, I can't get really mad. It's not somebody, my friend, I just not deal with that person. You know, if it's somebody that just has something out for me, I never had, really had a personal connection, you do what you do, I'll handle my business, we're good. But when it's that person that you trusted, it hurts deeply. And it leaves a scar. And then it affects whether we can trust somebody after that. So gossip hurts. Not only does betrayal hurt, it leaves us feeling vulnerable. At one point, we thought that all was well. But then we find out that there is an unseen buzz going on and we can't control it. Same psalm. Um, we're going to go higher up. Verses 4 through 8 in Psalm 55. It says, my heart is in anguish with me. The terrors of death have fallen upon me. Fear and trembling come upon me, and horror overwhelms me. And I say, oh, that I had wings like a dove. I would fly away and be at rest. Yes, I would wander far away. I would lodge in the wilderness. I would hurry to find a shelter from the raging wind and tempest. David is saying that if he could, he would be like a bird and fly away. He wants to run away from the situation. He, it, it, it hurts so much that he just doesn't want to be in that area. You feel like when you thought everything was perfect, something goes wrong. And so you start questioning what else is going to go wrong. 
If I thought this friendship and this relationship was was 100% perfect and this, what I trusted in, wasn't, then how about everything else? I could, could I have missed it with something else? And so you become vulnerable. You just want to just be away. I've, I've, I've dealt with someone one time when I, um, when I was younger where there were certain things that were being said about the person and they just wanted, you know, it was, we were in a church setting and they just wanted to lead the church. They're like, you know what, I'm not going to deal with it. I don't, want, I don't even want to, you know, ask who it is or nothing. I'm, I'm just going to leave the church. That's my solution. That way it'll make it easier. Y'all do what y'all do. I'll do what I do. The, the, we don't want to be in that environment where we feel like we're being talked about. It's very awkward. Um, and thirdly, a painful aspect of being gossiped about is the feeling of the loss of the, of the sorry, I messed up the, the writing, but of, the, the, of our reputation. Lost at the, at the feet of our reputation. I don't know what I was trying to type there. I messed up. Don't, don't remind me. But, but, but so the one painful aspect is that we feel like our reputation has been damaged, pretty much. Um, we feel like, okay, yeah, it may not be true, but then I started thinking, okay, who did that person tell? Because now if I go and shake that person's hand I haven't seen in a while, what have they heard about me? What are they? What are they thinking in their mind? You know, um, you know, you, you go and someone says hi, and they all of a sudden they say something hi, and everything gets heightened because somebody may be busy and they may just say hi a different way to you. But because now you have this whole thing that somebody's talking about me, every little thing is very is scrutinized, and it puts you in a position that's uncomfortable. So you feel like your reputation. So now you're like, okay, well, do I go to that church again and visit that church because they feel like I did this to this person, and so what are they going to think about me? Or do I call this person like I usually do because they probably heard about it and they probably believe and maybe that's why they didn't text me back yesterday. It, it puts you in a position of feeling like your reputation has been damaged. Um, and, this, and believe it or not, re our reputation is very important um, in the eyes, in the sight of God. Proverbs 22, verse 1. Proverbs 22, verse 1, it says, A good name is to be chosen rather than great riches, and favor is better than silver or gold. So the question is, do we, do, should we look to protect our reputation? The answer, based off of that verse, is yes. Um, but we'll get to a little bit later of our extent of doing that. So what should we do when we're gossiped about? Two things we should do is, one, respond by faith, and two, respond by love. Respond by faith. Um, there's three things that we need to do in, in regards to that. Psalm 140, the, the psalm that I opened up with. In verses 1 to 2, David says, Deliver me, O Lord, from evil men. Preserve me from violent men who plan evil things in their hearts and stir up wars continually. David knew to take this issue to the Lord. We have to learn to, when we have an issue, to go to the Lord with it. A lot of times we have issues, we call our friend, we call our family, we call everywhere else but the Lord. Then when it gets real hard, that's when we want to call on the Lord. But David, I don't know what the buildup was to this, but we still see a picture of David seeing the issue and taking it to the Lord. We have to learn even in our prayers to keep it real with the Lord about how we feel. Verses 3 to 5, it says, They make their tongues sharp as a serpent's, and under their lips is the venom of, of asps. Guard me, O Lord, from the hands of the wicked. Preserve me from violent men who have planted to trip up my feet. The arrogant have hidden a trap for me, and with cords they have spread a net. Beside the way they have set snares for me. 
Tell the Lord exactly how you feel. Lord, I feel betrayed. Lord, I feel trapped. Lord, I, I, I feel um, that I can't trust anybody. Lord, I don't know what to do. Lord, help me. We have to learn how to be real, how to be honest, how to be open with the Lord. The Lord is not looking for this, 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 this made-up prayer and to sound like we've got it all together. Oh, Lord, I know that you are, you know, um, you, know you are great, Lord, and I, I trust in you. Sometimes we're not in that position yet. Sometimes, need to look, Lord, I need help trusting you in this situation. Lord, I need help trusting others in this situation. Lord, I need help knowing who to trust with this situation. Because, Lord, I don't know what to do. Lord, at this point, I just want to be by myself. Help me. Yes. Fix my heart. Because right now, I don't want to trust anybody. Look, we have to learn to be honest. If you look through the Psalms, the Psalms are very, very, very honest prayers to the Lord. Some of them is just like, Okay, all right, I see you. I'm not going to say that to the Lord. I'm going to let you say that because uh, you're a little bold. I don't know. So the approach thrown boldly, but you're a little arrogant there. Uh, but, um, but the Psalms are emotional um, prayers and Psalms and songs to the Lord. Some of them are positive, but some of them are coming from a heart that has been hurt. Yes, yes. Some of them are even asking the Lord, Lord, where are you? So you see that even in the Psalms and in the scriptures, there are positions of these people that are writing, whether it be David, whether it be Moses, Asaph, whoever it is, where they're in positions where they're not in the typical position that we are called to be. Yes, we're supposed to be placed, but these are sometimes the songs on that journey to that place. We're not just going to get up, have an issue, and just be like, oh, yes, thank you, the Lord will take care of it. No, we have emotions, God-given emotions, and we're going to feel hurt. Even Christ, when he came to the earth, felt hurt. He felt pain. I mean, you know, there's always misnomer as to what he was weeping about. But in, in, in John 11, John 11, yeah, John 11, he wept. Jesus cried. Yeah. When he saw, you know, it wasn't necessarily, let's sidebar, it wasn't necessarily that Lazarus had died because Jesus knew what he came to do was to resurrect Lazarus. So he wasn't crying about Lazarus' death. He was crying about the effects of sin which brought on death. He was looking at the nature of the, 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 the Martha who came up. If you had been here, then my, my brother would have lived. And, and, and Mary coming up again and saying, and she's weeping and she's in hurt. And he's looking at this and understanding that sin is the cause of all this. Not that Lazarus is dead. Lazarus is my brother. But guess what? I already knew I came here to resurrect him. I'm confident about that. I told the, the disciples since we heard the first news that he's not going to die. So Jesus wasn't, wasn't weeping about Lazarus. Le Jesus was weeping about the effects of sin in this world, which brings on the death of Lazarus, which brings on pain, which brings on sorrow that he was witnessing at that moment. So Jesus was, a, was even Jesus, the perfect man, was emotional. He had emotions. So our emotions are not sinful. And now what, what, how we control our emotions is where, where, what we do with our emotions is where the, where the um, cookie crumbles. I'm sorry, I'm lost words. But that we have, so sometimes we're not necessarily where we need to be, but it's okay. And we can't get there by ourselves. We have to ask the Lord for help. That's right. We have to tell the Lord, listen, this is where I am. I know where I need to be. I'm not going to get there on my own. Lord, I need you. Mm -hmm. Amen. Wow. So we are called to keep it real with the Lord. Um, the Psalms are full of accounts with real feelings. Listen, um, this is a quote from the book. It says, faith does not minimize our suffering. Faith does not say it's no big deal. Faith does not pretend that a situation is not painful or scary. What faith does is take our problem to the one who really cares and can do something about it. Amen. Second part of the talking to the Lord is remember who you're talking to. Mm -hmm. <laughs> remember who you're talking to. 
I, I I mean, I, if you see my car since last year, it's it's been dent and cracked, my butt burst cracked. So you know, I I know I had to go to the body shop at some point. Now when I go to the body shops, I don't know what body shop I'm going to. So when I go, I'm questioning myself: Can they really do the job and do the job well? When I go in there, like, yeah, you know, we're gonna redo this bumper and do that. I'm looking at the other cars that are fixing it. I'm calling people like, have you ever used this? Cause I need to know, cause I don't want to get this car, pay all this money, and all of a sudden the bumper fall off two weeks later. I don't know. I'm not confident in these people that are fixing my car. So I have to go and, and test out these other body shops, see their estimates. Cause when you find out, <laughs> I know I'm jumping ahead, but when you find out that good body shop, even if they're more expensive than the other ones, it's worth it because you know they can do the job. In the same way, when you know the God that you serve when you pray to him it's worth it no matter how much pain that you go through because you know he can do the job when David was praying to the Lord he knew the God he was praying to he knew he could do the job verses 6 to 8 before I get ahead of myself he says I say to the Lord you are my God give ear to the voice of my pleas for mercy O Lord O Lord, my Lord, the strength of my salvation, you have covered my head in the day of battle. Grant not, O Lord, the desires of the wicked. Do not further their evil plot or they will be exalted. David would not ask of God what he did not know God could do. David knew God. God even knew, we know that God knew David because he said that he is a man after my own heart. God, David had confidence in the Lord he was praying to. A lot of times we pray and we're like, uh... Let me try it on my own while God is working that out, because I don't know if he could really work that out. But when we know the Lord, and the only way we can know the Lord, and I know we probably push this in every single sermon here, but we need to read the word. The reason why, one of the reasons why there are accounts of these people that went through things that and, and persevered is for us to be confident. We don't necessarily always have to look to the left and the right for somebody to have a testimony. Testimonies are written. It's great. I mean, it's more encouraging. I mean, it is encouraging also to see somebody who you live with, who you know personally that has gone through it. Yes, it is. But we cannot forget that there are people that have been through this a long time ago. So we need to know the Lord and know the Lord that we're praying to and be confident in that. So first, number one was take it to the Lord. Number two is ask God for justice. Verses eight through eleven. Grant not, O Lord, the desires of the wicked. Do not further their evil plot or they will be exalted. Verse 9 says, As for the head of those who surround me, let the mischief of their lips overwhelm them. Let not burning coals fall upon, let burning coals fall upon them. Let them be cast into fire, into miry pits, no more to rise. Let not the slanderer be established in the land. Let evil hunt down the violent man speedily. Now, Another facet of, of the Psalms is, I remember there's one other psalm where David is praying, Lord, let the lions devour them. And, and I'm like, are we supposed to pray that? Like, was, that just, was he just in the moment? Like, was he corrected afterwards? We just don't know. But <laughs> it, just, it was it's just a little rocky there. But what, I, I mean, man, I, I, I came upon something in this book and, it, and it, 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 it killed me. If you follow me on Instagram and Facebook, you probably saw it yesterday. But... Um, we're called to do, to do two difficult things at the same time. We're called to ask for justice, which is what we just read. And we're also called to love our enemies. That's right. That's right. Balance that on out. And it's, it's, 
it's kind of like, God, you want me to do what? Like, which one? Like, one or the other? Like, do you want me to ask for justice and do the lion devouring thing? Or do you want me to love on them and ask for forgiveness for them? Like, I can't see myself doing both at the same time. Lord, it seems impossible to do both at the same time. How can you ask for justice and then ask for uh, and love at the same time, Lord? Lord, it just seems impossible. And God says, listen, do you remember the cross? The cross was a perfect picture of justice and mercy meeting. So God is saying, listen, this is not something that hasn't been done before. Because those who were unrepentant, they received their justice that day. And those who were repentant, they received their mercy all in one moment. So when we are looking at how to do this, Lord, how do I ask for justice? Because, Lord, I know you are a just God. Because let's not remember, let's not forget that Lord is not, is not just a gracious God, but he's also a just God. So meaning that he doesn't let the guilty, in Exodus 34, verse 7, he doesn't let the guilty unpunished, but he forgives those who do wrong. All at the same time, and that's, I was reading the book, and it says that's kind of like an uh, um, um, oxymoron almost that we, that we are called to, to deal with, which is that he doesn't, he doesn't let the guilty go punished, but yet he forgives the iniquity of the wicked. How does he do that all at the same time? The cross. The cross. He shows mercy to those who are repentant, but at the same time, he shows justice to those who are not. And so at the same time, we're praying, Lord, that you have justice. First of all, we're not to call justice on a person. We're not to bring justice on a person. Because guess what? We are fallible just as they are. That's right. We have no right in our stance to go and try to seek justice on our own for that person. God says, listen, vengeance is mine. I'll take care of it. You just... Listen, you can pray and then justice will be done. Pray, and, and I call you to pray for justice and I call you to love your enemies. I'll do the work. So he says two difficult things at the same time. So ask for justice while still loving your enemies. Jesus did that and made it possible for us to do it through his work on the cross. His sacrifice satisfied the demands of justice while simultaneously dispensing mercy. If the person who gossiped about you comes and asks you for forgiveness, give it. Quickly, freely, joyfully, justice will be done. Justice will always be done. So do not be afraid to forgive and do not be afraid to humbly ask God to bring justice to your cause. Humbly ask God to bring justice to your cause. God is a just God. He believes in justice. So we ask, to, to, in responding by faith, we're asked to take it to the Lord. We're asked to ask for God for justice. And the third one under that heading is, to believe that God will answer. This kind of ties in with what we said about knowing the God that we're praying to. Um, verses 12 to 13 in Psalm 140 says, I know that the Lord will maintain the cause of the afflicted and will execute justice for the needy. Surely the righteous shall give thanks to your name. The upright shall dwell in your presence. David knew that God would answer his prayer. Um, consistently, the message in the, of the Psalms is this. Cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous fall. That comes from Psalm 55, verse 22. God will settle the score. God will see that justice is done for those who cry out for it. Your reputation will be saved, but you may have to wait for it to happen. This is the hard part. God doesn't work on our time. I've heard it said before, the problem between us and God is that we have a watch and he doesn't. That's right. God created time. Like we live in a society where, you know, we get everything instant. 
we got the microwave, you know, they say the microwave generation and, and you know, uh, whatever we want, we have it right now. Like, if we want food, we just put throw it in the microwave and make it. We don't have to wait about picking, you know, the, the, the vegetables from the gardens and, and then going and cleaning it and, and, and then putting it together, slicing it up, putting it together, waiting hours for us to have a meal that we're hungry for now. Now we have an instance, we have a TV dinner we can just throw into the microwave and have it in two seconds, literally. Um, but... God, we have to remember that God is the one who created time and he stands outside of it. We can't expect God to submit himself to the very thing he created. He did that once and now it's when he can submit himself to the flesh that he created. Once. But he made time. We can't uh, uh, um, expect for God to, you know, uh, uh, to now have to, to go by our terms. So when we ask God for something, you know, we give God a deadline and God is like, you can't give me a deadline. You wouldn't have a deadline except that I created it. Let me do my work. All you got to do is pray. Let me know when you all you have to do. And this is what the point is. When you pray, know that I will answer it. Sit back and watch the show. Sometimes I may take a day. Sometimes I may take a year. Sometimes it may seem like I will never work it out. But guess what? I heard your prayer and I'm doing what I know is best. That's what our trust is, that whether it takes a day or it takes a year, we know that God has our best interest in, at heart. Whatever he's doing, he knows what he's doing, and he's doing it well. Hallelujah. So where somebody may have gotten a solution like that, you may need a solution to take a little bit longer. But God knows what's best. Um, another quote that is said usually is that God is seldom early, but never late. You know, he's, they say he, um, he may not come when, when he, we want him, but he's always on time. On time, God. <laughs> Your reputation, listen to this, and this is where I was saying I was getting from the beginning. We talked about the reputation is good, but we have to make sure that our reputation does not become our God. Your reputation is important, but it isn't everything. We can't overwhelm ourselves with worry of what people think of ourselves, think of us. Our job is to live lives that will not prove the gossipers right. Um, first Peter, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to do it in takeaway, but first Peter, um, chapter two, verse 11 and 12. If the preacher can get it. First Peter, chapter two, verse 11 and 12. And it reads. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Meaning, Peter is calling people to live a life that they could talk bad about you, but your life will prove otherwise. That's right. Amen. So, meaning your reputation is taken care of. I mean, the book he showed, he talked about an example of a, of a, I believe he was a church leader, and someone had gone around and spread some false news about him. And so he, he went around, he's trying to figure out who knows it, and went to people's houses and say, hey, listen, this is what I heard has been said about me. This, I just want to come here and let you know it's not true. So he can't sleep. He's stressed and affected in his health to the point where he realized, I'm just going to give it to God. And he rested easy. At the end of the day, people are going to believe what they want to believe. We can't kill ourselves trying to force somebody to believe anything. All we have to do is just live our lives and make them realize it. There's a lot of times where 
I believe I forgot who it was in, in my life, but it was somebody that I knew that somebody was getting was telling me before I even really knew the person. Yeah, this person is this. This person is that. I'm like, oh, really? And I started almost kind of believing because a lot of people were saying the same thing. But then when I got to know the person, I'm like, that is not true. That's totally not true. Now, had I allowed the rumors to dictate how I act with this person, I would have never had the benefit of that friendship with that person. So we had to understand in the same way of us being on the other side of that table is that, listen, guess what? If people don't come up to you all of a sudden because of something that they heard, let them believe it. Because guess what? They're not worth coming up to you. If they are going to believe a lie that you know that is not true, and all you have to do is just live a life of conduct, so that way when they speak against you as evildoers, you will be found honorable. So meaning when they look at you like you're like what what you said can't be true, the the, the man I just got to know the per, the woman I just got to know does not match your description. Right. And had you guys gotten to know that person instead of believing the lies, you wouldn't know what I know. So we have to be in that position of the one being talked about. We have to understand. You know what? I'm not gonna kill myself. They want to believe what they want to believe. I know my life. I know me. The people who matter, <laughs> I don't mind. The people who matter don't mind, and the people who don't matter mind. I guess this, this is a fancy way of putting that quote. I just messed it up, but it's okay. You get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. That's it. So, so like the people that are close to you, the people that you love, they know you. They know there's certain people where you have, like for instance, like I could say, and I, I mean, I always talk about you, but there's certain things that if, if somebody come and tell me about PD, I'm like, you lying. <laughs> like, nah, nah, there's no way. Really? Like PD, you know what they said about you? Man, like there's certain when you get to know a person, the people that know you best already know they, they're not even gonna take it. When they hear when they hear all this gossip and all these false news about people, about the person that they know, they know their person's character. And so they're not even gonna listen to it. They're not even gonna take it. As a matter of fact, they should at that point correct that person. Right. Say, no, that's not the person I know. Do you know that person? Have you sat down with that person? How how, how do you know? Oh well, you know, I don't really know that person, but people be talking to me about well then, okay then. I know that person. So I'm going to tell you what you said is false. Case goes. That's it. That's right, that's right. Done deal. So we are, we are called, <laughs> we are called to just live a life that proves the gospel's, um, uh, that does not prove the gospel is right. Understand in that waiting period, that sometimes things will get worse before they get better. That's right. Sometimes after we pray, whether it be about the gospel issue or sometimes whatever issue it is in our lives, sometimes after we pray, we start to get restless because things start to get worse. We pray about finances. We see that we're getting lower and lower, more and more overdraft in the, in, the, in the account after we just pray. Like, Lord, you know, two weeks ago, we just had to talk about this, right? Why am I getting this $35, $35, $35, $35? Like, Lord, I thought we done with this. Do we need to talk yet? Uh, reconvene tonight? Uh, okay. But what happens is sometimes, let, let, let me explain this real quick, and I'm going to go into this, this little thing. We serve a God who loves to perform. <laughs> He's a God that loves to show off. I remember Elijah in, in 1 Kings 17 where he comes to the people of the prophets of Baal and says, listen, we're going to have this contest because we're going to figure out, you guys are switching between two opinions too much. We're going to figure out who God is. And so even in his description of the contest, he says, you know, you set up your altar and you worship your God. I'm going to set up my altar and worship the Lord. So he already declared who was a winner already. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> 
that, that was funny to me when I caught that. So <laughs> the prophets of Baal, they do their thing. They're cutting themselves. They're crying out to the point where Elijah's mocking them like, maybe he's sleeping. Speak louder. He can't hear you. Maybe he even goes as far as maybe he's relieving himself. Maybe like even as far as this mocking because he knows, again, going back to our point, he knows the God he serves. So he comes and he prays a prayer, which is very confident prayer and saying, Lord, can you just show them who you are? Pretty much. I'm paraphrasing. I'm not going to pray, Lord, please bring down this fire because I know you're able to. Lord, I need you to show them what I already know. And so the Lord comes and, and, and before that even, I, let, let, let me not get ahead of myself. Elijah doesn't make a new altar. Let, let's, let's, let's make this point. Elijah goes and takes an altar that was already established long time ago and was broken down, was forgotten, and was destroyed. And so instead of choosing to build this new, brand new altar in order to do this, he goes and takes the very altar that was broken down, forgotten, and destroyed in order for the glory of God to come down. Sometimes the Lord is not going to wait for the moment once somebody damaged you for him to go and fix it, but he's going to let you be forgotten sometimes. He's going to let you be destroyed sometimes, and then he's going to, that way people forget about you, didn't think that you were worth anything, and then use you for his glory. So sometimes you're going to pray at the point where that first rock broke or that first table or the, the top of the altar broke. But sometimes he's going to let the bottom of the altar break. He's going to let everything crumble into stones. For the, and you're going to think that it's all over until somebody comes around and your life is used for the glory of, of the Lord. Um, um, in, in, in Luke 5, where Jesus first meets Peter, Peter and his, and his fellow fishermen at this time, this is before Peter you know, becomes a disciple who knows who Christ is, but He's, he's washing the nets when Jesus comes on the scene. And because he was at this place in the lake where there was no fish, he could not find any fish. So the Lord comes and asks, you know, can I use a boat to preach from? And so he says, all right, no problem. So after he finishes preaching, something happened because we see that Peter is in a point of almost submission to, to Christ. When Christ says, cast down your nets, he says, well, master, we've toiled all night and we have found nothing. But at your word, I will obey. Throws down his nets and finds and gets so much fish that his boat begins to sink and the nets begin to break. They bring a second boat and there's still their boats are beginning to sink. So what I'm saying is that part of that lake, that lake that was forgotten because these are professional fishermen. So they were washing the nets. They were done. They have been toiling all day and all night, like he said. So where that thing that you thought there was nothing, God gives more than enough. So God allows that thing that was thought to be forgotten, that thought to be useless, that thought to be um, worth nothing in order for him to to uh, to show his glory. Again, he's a performer. Third and last one I, 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 I referenced this earlier, but let me, let me give you a backdrop of the Lazarus story. Is that the Jews in that time, when someone died, they gave them three days because just in case, you know, they, they woke up. I, I personally think maybe because there was no medical advances. Sometimes, even now, somebody would, you know, go into a coma and all of a sudden they would wake, wake back up. So what the Jews would do is after the third day, they would, that would definitely declare the person dead. When did Jesus come to Lazarus' tomb? On the fourth day. So he, they came to him not when Lazarus died. They came to him when Lazarus was sick. So he allowed Lazarus to not only be sick, but to die. So when people lost hope, they, okay, now he's dead. That's already lost hope. But now we're past the third day. Oh, Lazarus is gone. Lazarus is done. The Jews were mourning. They were crying because you know what? Any hope that we thought that we had is totally lost. And that's when Jesus comes on the scene and says, Lazarus, come out. Jesus allows a situation, and that, that's a perfect picture right there. Jesus is sitting in the town. They say that he waited two days, two or three days, 
and then left. And I'm starting to wonder, like, okay, it's an emergency, Jesus. This is somebody that you, that you love personally. This is somebody you have a personal relationship with. Why would you wait two or more, three days, two, two or three more days in the place where you are? Why don't you go hastily to where they are? But Jesus looking and says, this sickness that has overtaken Lazarus, it will not bring him to death. So then when they say Lazarus died, Jesus, are you a liar or are you crazy? But Jesus knew already what the plan was. Jesus knew that he had the power. He is not just one that is talking about the resurrection, like when Martha came to him, but he is the resurrection. Amen. So he knew he needed a stage, a proper stage for him to perform on. So he wanted a point where people lost all hope so that way he can be the hope. Not that he can bring hope, but he can be the hope. So that way they don't look on anybody else. It wasn't anything. Well, he wasn't really dead because it's the second day. Great. We didn't wait the whole three days. But when we lost all hope, this man came out of nowhere, just called them out. Didn't go in there and touch them and, and pray and all these things. Even his prayer was like Elijah's. Lord, show these people who you are. I know that you have already answered our prayers. He said that confident. He's not praying, begging the Lord. Oh, well, Father, please, please, for these people, let Lazarus. He already knows the deal. He doesn't need it because he is the source of all power. He's, he doesn't need to pray for it because he is the source of all power. So he goes with confidence and uh, almost a, 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 a boastful, a pride, but he has, a, he has the right to be pride, pride, prideful because he is the infallible God. And he goes, Lazarus, come out with authority. And Lazarus comes out still wrapped up in his cloth. So don't think that just because your situation seems to be getting worse that God has forgotten you. He has not. Sometimes he's allowing your life to be a stage for him to perform on. I'm going to try to go through this second part real quick. I know time is getting with me. So we went, respond with, with, with faith. We see that we have to take it to the Lord, ask God for justice, and believe that God will answer. The second part of this is not just an internal thing, but now an external response is to respond with love. Matthew 5, verse 43 to 47. I'm just going to read it for the sake of time. 5, verse 43 to 47 says, You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? You therefore must be perfect, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Jesus is calling us to love our enemies. And I used to think that maybe, I used to think that when he quoted that quote, that that was something that was in the Old Testament, that you are to love your neighbor and, and hate your enemy. But what, I, what I've learned is, what it is, is that the, the law talks about loving your neighbor, loving your brother, love, but he never said anything regarding the enemy. So these people assume that meant you love all these people and you hate the enemy. And so Jesus is saying, listen, what they've been telling you, these assumptions, is wrong. Not only do you love these people, but you love your enemy also. And so he's calling us to do something that's radical, something that's very different. Um, and listen to what he says is the effect of that. He says, I'm sorry, uh, I missed where it was. But, okay, so, yeah, verse 45. So, so that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. We understand through other parts of the scripture that what we do is not what makes us sons of God. What, how we act or how we speak um, is not necessarily uh, just in that what makes us sons of God, but it's a heart. So we have a heart. One of the hardest things to do is what he's asking us to do, to love our enemies. These are how we look like our father. A lot of times people say, I, I resemble my dad. And, you know, it, it, you know, they say, you know, my attributes, whatever part. 
whatever, whatever it may be. But in that same light, how we look like our heavenly father is by loving our enemies. Because why? When he was on the cross, it was love to those who were born enemies to him. So we are looking like our father when we do things like that. So the, the five things I would say to do, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go do it in sake of time. But number one is to pray for our enemies. Matthew 5, 44 says that we are to pray for those who persecute us. This is easier said than done, but we have one to look on. If you are having trouble praying for your enemies, think about Jesus. Think about his prayers for Judas and for those who tortured and killed him on the cross. Meditate on Jesus' prayers for you and me before we were reconciled to him. While we were still his enemies, Jesus prayed, Father, I want those to be with me where I am and to see my glory, to the glory you have given me. Amazing. Jesus provides us with a perfect example of loving our enemies. So the cross is a perfect picture of Christ loving those who hurt him. Even at one point he says, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. The people, these literal people who have just, who have just ridiculed them, put the corner, uh, crown of thorns on them, he's praying for, for forgiveness for them. Number two is to overlook. This is hard. <laughs> there are 90% of the time we can overlook what's been done. 90% of the time, it really, doesn't, it really doesn't matter when we really think about it. These are some factors that we have to think about when, of whether something could be overlooked. Number one is what kind of gossip it is. Number two is whether it is true or not. Number three is whether it's a secret you asked someone to keep but shared it anyway. And number four, seriousness of the shared info. So all these factors come into play on whether something can be overlooked and how you can do that. Because it's not calling you to go and put the person back in this place of trust again. You have to be wise. But there's some things that, you know what, I'm not even going to deal with this. I'm just, like for some, reason, for, some, for some instances, those people who you may not even really know, what sense is it for me to go and now, I never even talked to the person, for now this first conversation is, oh, I heard you were talking about they know, I never talked to them in the first place. They never talked to me. I'll pray for them, and we're just going to keep it at that. They don't know me. I don't know them. So I'm just going to let them have this false opinion of, of me, and they'll understand it from my life. So sometimes we can overlook. Overlook is almost like one-sided forgiving. We go on relating like normal. It doesn't minimize the pain. We just absorb the pain and move on in love. But there are times when we have to confront. Yeah. Some offenses can't be overlooked. Matthew 18, verse 15, it says, says in 18, 15, says, If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. Notice that the first instance, uh, the first part of this conversation is between the two people affected. Mm -hmm. Don't go behind a person and gossip about the gossip. We have a tendency to do that. You know, you know what, what such and such is told, said about me and this, that, and the third, and it only makes it worse because guess what? Nine times out of ten, that person is going to go to somebody else. Yeah, you know, such and such is talking about such and such. And then now it brings a, 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 a snowball effect. Now by the time you talk to the other person, now you have to deal with the effects of the gossip that you started about the gossip. Because now everybody knows, and now when they see you all buddy-buddy, everybody's questioning you like, I thought you guys weren't cool. It, it, just, makes it, more, it just makes it messier. Um, now understand this. Some will repent and be reconciled. Some sadly will not. There are instances where you've heard something and you confront the person and it, it's all good. They apologize. They realize they're wrong. They repent um, to you and everything's reconciled. And there have been even friendships that have been stronger even after that. But guess what? Some people will not. 
So there's some people that's gonna sit here and deny it to your face. You can have all the proof, you can have the text messages, the screenshots of them texting somebody with the news, and they'll be like, nah, it wasn't me, somebody used my phone. And those type of situations, you just get to a point where like, you know what? You be you, I'll be me. I love you from afar, we good. Um, so we have to understand that not everything's gonna be 100% um, uh, res response. Um, we are not, or we are to repay evil with good. First Peter 3, verse 9 to 12. Try to erase over there. First Peter 3, verse 9 to 12. It says, Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless for those for to this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. For whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Just because somebody did wrong to you doesn't justify you doing wrong back to them. It's not a, remember, it's not an eye for an eye. It's not a two for two. We are called to love our enemies. And so what it's saying is that just because you were in the beginning of the evil, you still fall into the category of the one that in verse 12, that the eyes of the Lord are not on because you have made yourself to be put in the place of not the righteous. That their prayer, like we talked about believing that he's going to answer our prayers, you kill that now because now because based on the scripture, his ears are no longer open to your prayer and, and that the face of the Lord is going to be against you. Just because somebody did you wrong first doesn't justify the wrong that you do back to them. So we are to repay evil with good. If people have gossiped about you, make sure that your basic stance, understand this is, this is hard, make sure that your basic stance is for them. This doesn't mean that you must trust them in the same way you did before they gossiped about you. It does mean you should want what is best for them, even at a personal cost. That is how Jesus loved us. While we were still his enemies, Christ died for us. Five takeaways, and, uh, and I'm done. Number one, you're going to deal with gossip at some point. It's not something new, and the Lord has given us ways to endure it. If you haven't dealt with it before, you, you're probably going on, and you probably don't know about it. Because gossip is infectious, and it's probably 100% infect, rate of infecting and affecting people um, in this world in one way or another. Number two, while your re reputation is something good, don't make it your God. It's the Lord's job to bring justice and protect your reputation. All we are called to do is to follow the scripture that we read in 1 Peter 2, verse 11 and 12, which is to live a life that is pretty much above reproach. That way, when pe the people talk about you, they look like the fools and you, and you are good. Number three, take your issue to the Lord and know he is not only able to handle it, but he is willing to. God cares about us. He understands our hurts. He understands our pains. And he loves us and he will deal with it. Number four, love your enemies. Overlook what can be overlooked and confront what needs to be confronted. All in all, love and forgive as we've been called to do. Scriptures all over the, all over the Bible is calling us to forgive, forgive, and forgive as we've been forgiven. And lastly, number five, pray for the person who offended you, remembering that at some point you were or can be in their seat. Remember that you are the sinner first and then the sinned against. So just as easy as they're in that position, don't think that you're above that and that you can't be, never be in that position because with a quickness, you can be right where they are. So pray with compassion, 
and pray, pray for them that they may be restored and they may repent from their sin. As everybody by heads. Lord, we thank you. We, we honor you, Lord. We thank you for your instruction based off of our words, I mean, how, what we say and how we say it and who we say it to, Lord. Lord, teach us um, to, to take every word into account because knowing what your scripture says is that we will have to take account for every careless word that we say, Lord. So, Lord, let us be careful in what we say, how we say it, when we say it, and who we say it to, Lord. If we have an offense, if we have an issue, Lord, direct us to the right people to talk to. If we are ready to go directly to the person, Lord, Lord, give us a heart to not go anywhere else but there. Lord, if we are not ready, Lord, show us that we are not ready and bring us to the right counsel in order to help us. But the ultimate end is to co confront or overlook, Lord, whatever is best for that situation, Lord. Lord, fix our hearts that have been hurt, Lord. Some of us are still bleeding based off of situations that have come up out of gossip, Lord. Lord, heal us. Show us that you are the healer, that you are the sustainer, Lord, that you are the one, the only one that we should even look to impress, Lord. So, Lord, if people are feeling because of a lie or because of a rumor that, our, that we feel as if our reputation has been hit, but, Lord, we know the truth, Lord. We know that you know the truth. So at the end of the day, as long as you know, Lord, as long as you are happy and are pleased with us, Lord, who cares who's not pleased, Lord? And if you are not pleased with us, that's when we, we, we are to be... Um, um, to know, understand, Lord, that there is something that needs to be fixed, Lord. But let us not um, make reputation our God and seek to make ourselves look good before men, Lord. We're not living for men, Lord. We're living to please you. So, Lord, fix our hearts, heal our hearts, patch up our hearts, Lord, and guard our hearts, Lord. Teach us and let us be wise and discerning on who we allow in our circle, Lord. Um, and let us be wise even, even, even in discerning, although we didn't really hit on this topic this morning, but Lord, that we may not be in the position of the one who is gossiping, Lord. Even if sometimes when we think that it's venting, when we think that it's um, just simply sharing news, Lord, let us really dissect every word that we are to say, Lord. If it doesn't have to do with us, if it has no benefit um, to the conversation, let us not say it, Lord, and let us guard not only our own hearts, Lord, but the hearts and the lives of the people around us, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We praise you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.